It's a pleasure to have you listening to my show today. My sincerest desire is for you to get something from it that will make your life richer, fuller, and safer. My name is Reverend Wynn Henderson. As an ordained Christian minister and a retired medical doctor, I have a dual perspective to bring you content to solve problems in your life. This podcast is the longest-running, single-hosted, spiritually-based radio internet talk show in America. It's been on the air for over 24 years. I bring you information about the disease of addiction, about your purpose in life, and investigative reporting on truth just below the surface. Today, we are going to do a program, and uh, it relates to a book that I got uh, and read and enjoyed called Frogglewogs. And the author of Frogglewogs is Leslie Ryford Hughes. Leslie is a Cleveland, Ohio native who moved to the mountains back in 96. She has a background in communications and psychology, and she worked as an editor for a legal publishing company before retiring. She is or was a member of Mountain Riders. She entered uh, the Haywood County Senior Games Literary Arts Competition and won a gold medal for her performance poetry. From that performance, she got many requests for more poems, and as a result of that, she wrote, LOL, Little Old Ladies, Laughing Out Loud, which pokes fun at getting older. She's performed uh, work from her book for local libraries, Red Hat groups, and other women's groups. Her latest book, Frogger Walks, Life's Lessons, from the Frog Pond uh, is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and you can check it out at Apple iTunes. Um, Leslie said, Frogawogs invites children to explore life through stories about frogs. These 16 stories provide secret messages that help children cope with their everyday lives. The stories also provide the opportunity for parents to discuss the lessons with their children to promote positive feelings about common children's issues. Um, Each uh, of these 16 stories has a valuable life lesson. With understanding and encouragement, children will be ready to face their problems with a growth mindset. The stories uh, are fun for adults to read to their children and fun for older children to read by themselves. Each story has its own little dictionary of words at the end to understand and includes a life lesson to be explored by children by their parents. 
For parents looking for teaching tools, this book is perfect. It provides a moral compass in a world that seems to be missing that. The name Frogalogs is easy to remember, and there is even a certificate for your child who can color it and frame it to prove that he or she has learned all the lessons in the book. Uh, the book Frogalogs is available at Amazon uh, as a softcover book and also as a hardcover book. And uh, Leslie, it's nice to have you on my show today. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, we've known each other for a long time, but I told you to come back when when you got your your book published, and you did. And now we're going to talk about it. Why did you write this book as opposed to a different kind of poetry book? Because children in government education aren't given a moral compass like we were giving up, growing up, and teaching is mostly propaganda. Children aren't taught how to think. Well, when you say uh, in government, uh, what was the word you used? Was it propaganda or government instruction or something like that? <laughs> They're both the same thing. Well, uh when did that start deteriorating? Probably the 1960s. It got worse every year. I think so, because when I was going to school, we were taught to think for ourselves and reason a, pro a problem out and see if we could come up with a solution. And today's kids are just taught to sit in front of the computer and push keys. All right. Um, okay, so you can't do a whole lot about changing the school system. But, no, but parents can read to their children, and they can talk to their children about what does the story mean, what is the lesson here, and how can it apply to you. Right. So why did you use frogs as your uh, basis for this book that you wrote? Oh, all children love frogs, and they're not racist in any way, so children can relate to them. Okay. Now, um... Each each story centers around a common theme, uh, um, like uh, help one another, love is important, and so forth. Did you do that on purpose? Yes. Too often children hear more negative messages than positive ones. It's said that they hear 11 negative messages before they hear one positive one. And I wanted to write stories that would let children know each child is special that their gifts are good, and that people do like them. I know when I was writing one of my books uh, and was giving parents advice uh, about uh, criticizing their children, I, I said that for every one critical bad thing that you say, you have to give seven attaboys to make up for it, which they never do. Oh, that's beautiful. And, and so they come away from the experience thinking that, that their self-worth is not that great and that if parents would make more of the comments, attaboy comments, as opposed to critical comments, there would be a lot less addiction in the, in the world. I agree. You put a, a little vocabulary at the end of each story, and I noticed that 
some of the words uh, younger children never heard of before. But I suppose you put it in there so that if their parents read them as stories, they can explain those words. That's true. A, a lot of times literature is geared toward a specific age group or a specific reading level, and they never get beyond that. And I wanted the children to be able to stretch their abilities and learn new vocabulary and learn how to use it in a sentence, how to pronounce it, and that they didn't have to go to a dictionary or an Internet to look it up to see what it means. Right. And... Uh... Quite often it's hard to look up the meaning of words. Uh, I guess it's gotten easier with the Internet and all, but uh, still there's words that I don't know what they mean. And I know I have to stop when I'm reading the book. They'll get on another screen to find out what the author meant. You would be amazed how many homes do not even own a dictionary. Well, I find it hard to use a dictionary if you don't know how to spell the word. Well, that's true. But, and we aren't taught phonics anymore either. Yeah. But now, with the um, built-in transcription, you can just say the word, and 99 times out of 100, it will give you the right uh, spelling of the word. That's true. That's, that's good. But this way, they don't have to go anywhere but the book to look it up and find out what it means. That's right. I uh, once... Uh, did a show with a guy. He was a guru up in the western, northern, northwestern part of the country, and he had his own group of followers. I suppose they heard his talks and lectures every day, so they got used to his vocabulary and everything. But Lord, I tried to read his book. I couldn't do it. And I've been in school for 21 years, and. He was putting out words and combinations and everything that was just beyond me. Very hard to do that show. So I think that an author, uh, typically, should try to write to about an eighth grade level. And uh, if somebody's reading your book in their college, they can still understand it. So that's what I've tried to do. Um, do... Each of your stories have a lesson? Yes. Uh, take the story of Beauregard. What can that teach us? That you can be afraid of something, but you don't let it stop you. That you can be a success in spite of your fear. Okay. How does that relate to being bullied? If a child is told how special he is, how good he is, how talented he is from the very beginning, he has a good self-esteem and he's unlikely to be bullied because he'd be able to turn the story around and say, look, you're just jealous of me. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, I know bullying to school children is a big deal and uh, it even gets physical. That's true, but if, if a child has self-esteem and feels good about himself, he's less likely to bully others, and he's less likely to be bullied. Well, I, I agree with you there. I think that you told me that your favorite story is Would you uh, read that story to us? Sure. This story is called Casey's Caboose. 
Long ago, when railroads were the king of transportation, there lived a frog named Casey on the Cherokee Reservation. Oconolofty River was a wide and shallow stream where Casey sat upon a rock to sunbathe and to dream. His body was about the size of one whole silver dollar, but when he opened up his mouth, that frog could really holler. Casey could be heard from miles. He'd croak and he'd complain. What he really wanted was to work upon a train. I could ride in the caboose or be an engineer. I'd even shovel coal if I could get away from here. He'd watch the trains go rolling by and hear the whistles blow and wish that he could ride the rails as far as Tupelo. But how could he, a little frog, climb up on board a train? He sat upon a special rock and croaked a sad refrain. Time and again he'd holler out, Bort, Bort, Bort. All through the night his croaking echoed out the simple chord. He watched the shining headlight of a train break through the dawn and watched as several passengers got off and one got on. He listened for the sound of the conductor's final call. All aboard! But Casey couldn't hear a thing at all. Something must be wrong, he thought. I'd better take a peek. He hopped up to the train tracks, listening for the whistle shriek. The train sat idle, waiting, puffing steam and blowing smoke. The conductor waved his lantern, but he neither called nor spoke. Casey saw he had some flannel wrapped around his throat. He was so hoarse that he could barely speak a single note. This train won't leave, thought Casey. He can't say all aboard. But I can. Casey took a breath, and suddenly he roared, Board, board, and then the train began to puff and chug. The conductor stretched his arm out, and Casey felt a tug. I need you, little fella, the conductor whispered low. He pulled the frog up on the train. It's time for us to go. The train charged west through Tennessee, whistling all the way, and Casey yelled, Bart, Bart, at every stop that day. They rattled past the mountains, the flatlands, and the plain. At every railroad station, Casey sang the same refrain. They headed south towards Huntsville and west to Tupelo. The conductor whispered to him, this is far as we can go. We'd still be in the mountains if it hadn't been for you. Without your all aboardin', I don't know what we'd do. How'd you like to work for me? I sure could use you here. So that's how Casey got to be a railroad engineer. And even now, when the wind is right and a train leaves Kyle's board, you might see Casey hollering, Bort, Bort, Bort. That's a great story. What do you think take away from that story? What do I think about that story? What's the takeaway? What? Uh, oh, well, the life lesson is when you help others, you give others the opportunity to help you. Right. And so that would be the basis for a parental discussion with the child on um fleshing that out and talking more about that. Sure. If you see somebody that needs some help, like carrying a groceries in from the car, or maybe somebody pulling something along the sidewalk, or 
could be anything in the neighborhood, and you can help, why not help that person? Because you never know when that person is going to remember and say, this is the person who helped me. I think he'd be right for the job, or she'd be perfect for that. Absolutely. Uh, Leslie, what uh, else have you written? I I know that you've got a book, uh, your your first book. Tell me about that. LOL, Little Old Ladies Laughing Out Loud, began with four poems that I wrote for the Haywood County Senior Games, for which I won the gold medal in my performance. And then people kept asking me for more poems until I had enough for a book. My second book was Annabelle's ABCs, and I wrote that for a neighbor child. She was about four and a half at the time, and she was having trouble writing her ABCs. So I wrote the book for her, and certain uh, teachers have wanted the book since then. So I haven't really uh, sent it out to the bookstores yet, but I'm, I'm thinking about it. And then this Frogger Walks is my third book. How did you come up with a name, Frogger Walks? Oh, children love silly-sounding words, and it's a combination of frog and polywog. And each story is written in rhyme because children actually learn better in rhyme. That's why ABCs are in rhyme. I see. Okay, so how does the general public learn more about you, get a copy of your book, these kind of things? Well, the book is available locally at City Lights and online at this time from Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And my agent is working to get books in bookstores all over the country. Well, when you say it's available locally, uh, you're talking about Silver, North Carolina. Correct. And uh, this uh, podcast is going all over the world, so they can't very well come to Silva, but uh, they can go uh, to uh, Amazon or Barnes & Noble to get it. That's true. If you type in Froggle Wog's book, you'll come to the link. You mean uh, in the Google search engine? Yes, or in Amazon or Barnes & Noble. I see. Okay. Um, do you have a, a website set up for this book? Um, it's in process. I have an email address if people want to reach me. Give us that email address. L-O-L Reifert. That's R-E-I-F-E-R-T at yahoo.com. Okay. I've got that now. Um, let's see. Is there anything else that you'd like to say about your book uh, before we wrap this up? Well, I think some of the life lessons are important for children to really understand. Um, the second story, Harriet and the Croquettes, frogs love you, people love you for who you are, not for what you do. So the story talks about a little girl frog who wants to be a, a superstar, but then she learns that the people around her love her most when she's just who she really is. So each of them has a another lesson, but just below the surface of the of the story, and uh, that's up to the parents to explain that lesson to the children. Yes, like in Jonathan Jeremy Frog. Sometimes what you're most afraid of isn't real. 
he was afraid of a monster dragon. And when he learned it was just a dragonfly, he wasn't afraid anymore. And sometimes that's what children need to learn because they can create monsters in their own mind and then the problem becomes bigger than it needs to be. And when they learn that it's not even real, they can relax and be back to normal. So one of the things I imagine that you believe is that children ought to be taught not to fear. Um, you know, I mean, obviously they might fear to run away from a snake, but and there's so much fear in the world that they don't really need that as an underlying psychology of their lives. No, I, I think if a child is raised with love and peace in the home and uh, a good Christian foundation, um, he doesn't need to be fearful of what's happening in the world because his world is centered around right where he is in his home. Well, uh, that's uh, all that I have to ask you. I talk to the people now uh, saying that my mission or purpose in life is to spread the mission or the message that there is a cure for every addictive behavior. And this is a spiritual cure. And the treatment program is profiled in my book, Freedom from Addiction 4, The Final Message. If you meet three simple criteria, everyone gets well from their addiction. I have three free resources where you can start your journey. The first is a link to this podcast. It is freedomfromaddiction.libson.com, and uh, you spell Libson, L-I-B-S-Y-N, and the second is a link to my website where you can find out more about my work with addiction, and that is www.revwinhendersonmd.com. And the final resource is my Twitter account. You would search at Hugo the Artist on twitter.com. There you will find inspirational and educational daily pearls of wisdom. I think I've got maybe. 2200 for you to uh, to uh, check out on that Twitter account. I made a mistake and and left my phone in the room. Sorry about that interruption. But um, Leslie, it was great to have you on the show today and uh, hopefully when you write another book you can come back and we'll talk about it. I have another book. It's in the process of being illustrated right now. Oh, I wanted to say something about that. Tell me who your illustrator is because he or she did really excellent work in your book. I was impressed by the illustrations. Yes, the illustrator's name is Frank Pryor, P-R-Y-O-R, out of Boulder, Colorado. Well, he, he did a really great job. It kind of really spices your book up to, to see the pictures and the color. And um, so thank you again for being on the show today. We appreciate it. And Thank you for having me. We'll see you next time. Okay. <laughs>